Welcome to the Lumiere Cinema Podcast. My name is Peter Ambrosio. I am one of the co-owners of Lumiere Cinema, along with Lauren Brown and Luis Oriana. Um, at the top of the show, we like to remind you to visit Lumiere Cinema LA. Dot com. Um, you can sign up for the newsletter. You can um, become a member of our inner circle uh, uh, with by getting a gift card of more than a hundred dollars, um, and you can watch a bunch of uh, of, uh, of digital titles we have um, on offer while we are shut down due to the coronavirus pandemic. On this podcast, uh, what we do is we take a couple of uh, or, well, we take a, a streaming title uh, and we discuss it. Today is a little different because we have two streaming titles that we're discussing. Um, and uh, before we get to those, uh, let me introduce my uh, uh, co-host. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm, t- here, here, I'm introducing myself. My name's Timo. Uh, I, uh, I work at the concession stand at the now defunct, seemingly. Uh, music Hall Three at Beverly Hills. Uh, I I love movies. I love movies. Back to you, Pete. <laughs> that's good. I like that. I like everything that's going on over there. Maybe I'll do the entire podcast in this voice, you know, so the people can, can you kind help, of. Can you hold that up? I I think I could. I think I could do that because you know um, I'm f- I'm from an area of the country where it's kind of like you know. It's like a thing. This is how you talk, and you know, with the other thing, and then you got the guy, and he comes, and whatever's. No, no, no. Uh, the I... movies. The movies we're doing are um, are uh, Rudy Valentino, who was a uh, a silent film star, and um, I had seen The Eagle, but for the purposes of the podcast, we also watched Cobra, um, which shares a, a title with my favorite Sylvester Stallone movie, um, but is not very similar to it. Um, and so uh, that's what we're going to discuss. The reason that I was going into that that other voice is because I recently rewatched uh, Donnie Brasco, and every time I watch Donnie Brasco, I start doing that voice. You know? Yeah, that movie never hit me. I wanted it that's to. Insane. But it looked, it, that's insane. That's insane. Way too indie for me to get past that. So I, it's it always not indie at all. It's the like least. No, indie no, no. Mo- the look of it. I don't know. Somehow about the look of it. It looks it great. Country, You're crazy. No, what are you talking? No, Wait, have you seen the movie? Have you seen the movie? You're talking about this movie, Donnie Brasco. It's got Johnny Depp in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I didn't take that movie. That's insane. And you like these other movies? How can you say I any like other movie? Movies, right? Yeah. How can you say any other movie is good, but then Donnie Brasco's bad? That's crazy to me. Crazy. Well, I'm an American. I got these ideas. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he says but Pacino in it. He says things like fuzzles. Give me a couple of fuzzles, Donnie. Donnie, give me a couple of fuzzles. And so I, I now watched. Look, you're, you're a guy who sold me ultimately on the film Heat. All right, you did. It's I, a I'm great sold film. On the film Heat, it took a little work on your part, but I got I got to that. This one might take a little more work than that. My Ugh. my mind's a little more made up on this one. Ugh. He has a thing. Everything's the same with you. You're up on your high horse. Everything's a joke. It doesn't make any sense, but in the context of the story, it makes a lot of sense. Anyway, let's move on to Rudy Valentino and the Eagle and Cobra. And it's not the Cobra. It's Cobra. Yeah, and it's not the Black Eagle as it should be, but it is the Eagle. Uh, It's funny to, um, 
you know, I couldn't stop with the, the, the Sylvester Stallone movie, Cobra. Have you seen that? Which one? The Sylvester Stallone Cobra. Yes, the one where he cuts the pizza. Ah, don't the- ruin the movie for other people, you know? <laughs> it's in the trailer, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my God. Well, No, if anything, I was, that- when you mentioned Cobra, I, I sensed, you know, I think the eagle's more Cobra than Cobra. Yeah, maybe. Well, the thing is, is that I was watching Cobra and, you know, this Sylvester Stallone movie is so etched in my mind that every time I was thinking, send in the Cobra. Cobretti. Cobretti, you're out of control, Cobretti. Um, so, I, don't get, I don't get it, but I like it. Well, his name is Cobretti in the movie. That's why he's called the Cobra. But not Valentino. No, it's nothing to do with Valentino. Okay, we'll get to the Valentino I movies. I apologize. It's not the Cobra, right? It's not the titular Cobra? No, it is not. And that's the thing, but I kept saying to myself, send in the Cobra because of the uh, the stolen movie. But that's the thing about the Valentino. When I saw the Eagle a couple years ago, it did dawn on me that he he is a Sylvester Stallone-like figure. You know what I'm saying? You know, Does that make any sense no, to you? No, elaborate on that. Well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> like... Wait, wait, wait. Let's scale it back a bit. Is was that your first Valentino movie? Because these are my, this is my first Valentino movie. Yes, The Eagle was the first one I'd ever seen. And the thing is, the okay. thing the thing about Valentino that interests me is that it's like it it the 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 similarities to Stallone is that like you know who are the other big silent stars, right? You got um, you got uh, Ke- Harold Lloyd, Keaton, Chaplin, Lloyd, right? You've got uh, Douglas Fairbanks, right? Um, is one of the Barrymores a famous? Uh... I think I think the Barrymores. I just watched a movie with both the Barrymore brothers. Um, uh, what is it, uh, Lionel and John? I think. Um, uh, are and the 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 great Bill Powell, William Powell's also started in the uh, in that era. You have uh, see this is a problem because you're obsessed with William Powell because you've recently been watching uh, uh, Thin Man stuff. Have you seen My Man well, Godfrey? Yeah, but I was obsessed with him since the My Man Godfrey. My Man Godfrey is a classic. Have you seen The Libeled Lady? No, that's the next well, one on my know, list. You I just know, you know, the Thin Man series. You, so that's you, the next you, one on you know nothing of William Powell. I can't believe I'm even Don't discussing him with you. <laughs> I know something. I know I like. I know I like him, and that's um, more than most. No, uh, uh, Libel no, Ladies also, is a good one. Uh, yeah, no, black and white uh, silent movie stars. I yeah. haven't seen enough. The, our, our, uh, your, co, your co-man upstairs, uh, Louis, L- Luis Oriana, he is a big man on the <coughs> olden movies. He would probably know better a few more names in that list. Yeah, I mean, uh, silent stars are weird. I mean, I feel like Chaplin and Keaton and, to a lesser extent, Lloyd, have, you know, became like the real... Like they sort- cornered the market? Yeah, like like going forward because silent comedy was such like a, a thing. But Douglas Fairbanks, you know, or or even Lon Chaney, maybe, um, you know, oh, Lon Chaney. Yeah, there. But Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, I I really uh, yeah, he what? He overshadows his father. A little bit, you know. Wolfman is maybe my top one of those Universal horror pictures. Wolfman is a great. I mean, that. We'll I have could, to cover one of those movies. Yeah, you know? well, we might need to talk about Wolfman. I could talk about Wolfman for, for ages. But Valentino, to me, strikes me as a Stallone in the sense that when you watch The Eagle and the opening of the movie, it's like, you know, you got this uh, this Tsarina, and she's like, uh, you know, you know, some sort of royal procession, and the horse breaks loose, and Valentino rides 
you know, he just sort of like takes control and he takes the horse and he goes and he saves a carriage with a young yeah, woman in it. He sounds the horse, but the horse is panicked, right, on its own, right? Yeah. It's not like he takes the horse from the Serena. Yeah, I can't, I, 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 I mean, it's, it's some sort of sequence of heroism, of quick heroism from him. And the thing about it, that is that it indicated to me just this sort of like, I don't know, it's a Stallone-esque thing of like an old world masculinity. It's not a... Uh, there's nothing ironic about it. It's fully sincere. It's fully everything that 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 these these characters are about is it's simple, it's sincere, and I associate it with a kind of old world idea. And yeah. sorry, and, and not to be confused with flatness, I presume, yeah? No, not to be confused with flatness at all, because um there is a romance to it. Uh there's a charm to it. Um it's it, there's you know, an unspoken backstory to like all all these people, I think. Well the other thing too about the way the eagle develops is it becomes you know, obviously it's the source material is Pushkin, which I don't know the source material, but I assume that they deviated from maybe some of the complexities of a Pushkin story. But um that that the thing about um, the story of the as the eagle progresses is there's a Robin Hood kind of thing going on, right? And yeah. and that Robin Hood thing is, um, you know, it has that that populist Stallone idea in it to me of, um, you know, that that this is a movie star, but he's on the side of of the everyday folks. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and also that the story may in fact be taking place in uh, elsewhere, but it could take place anywhere USA as well. Uh, it's a little tricky in Just terms of. The... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I guess about the character test. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, it's been a couple of days since I saw it, but I guess it, maybe the politicking can in fact get in the way. But I mean, well, it's a relatable uh, story. It's a Robin Hood thing. That, Robin Hood. I mean, the first, my first Robin Hood was uh, Disney's Robin Hood, the animated one with the fox. Is the uh, Robin Hood? And I was like, oh, I know these. These are types of. These is an American thing, but maybe that's what I'm trying to displace and place over here for Valentino. I He's an would, American, right? Um, he might have been Italian. Um, but I think the thing that I'm trying to, I would argue about this film. I wouldn't say it's very American. I would say that the politics of it are very feudal European. Um, that's the other. It's old world. I think even the politics are old world. You have this like yeah. this like land baron who you know in America is all about property rights. So <laughs> um, you, you know, they, I mean, they're more property than rights. <laughs> you know, right? um, so what I'm saying is, is that that the um the the dynamics of it feel very it, everything feels very old world to me and um i really i i did and i and there was like um i think there's the scene in the eagle with the pepper right where he's 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 eating the soup and it's got a lot of pepper and it's sort of he's this, so in like with the girl next to him that he over peppers his soup and the thing about that kind of gag is there is that element of silent comedy kind of a layer of that is in both cobra and um and the eagle and the thing about that is is again it's like that it's that populist vibe of like it's very it's sort of like yeah, we're gonna throw in some comedy for you. You know what I mean? Like everything has that kind of broad appeal idea to it. I would argue, and um, and 
you know, visually, um, the Eagle, I think visually the Eagle's less interesting than the, um, than Cobra. The Cobra? Cobra has some interesting stuff in it to me. Um, but. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I don't know. As much as Cobra may be visually interesting, story-wise, the Eagle was far more superior in my, in my... I don't know! I don't know! Really? I mean, really? well, here's the thing about Cobra, We started though. on the Eagle. Let's get to Cobra. What's Cobra about? Well, Cobra, you know, I just watched a movie called Come and Get It. Have you heard of this film? No, is it good? It's a great movie. I highly recommend that one, too. Come and Get It um, is is a weird movie because it's Howard Hawks directed it, but he directed it during a moment when Samuel Goldwyn was, was uh, sick and convalescing. And so Samuel Goldwyn couldn't watch the dailies of the movie. Samuel Goldwyn oh. gets better and watch watches this movie that Howard Hawks made and he's furious. It's like Hawks just like riffed around and did like a Hawks thing. And Goldwyn was like, no, 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 no. This is... Wait, 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 wait. What year is this? 36, I think. Okay. And um, and uh, he brought in William Wyler to finish the... or to, to reshoot the movie. And so it's a co-director credit, William Wyler and Howard Hawks, which is kind of crazy to think those two co-directed a movie. Um, and the result of the movie, it's very, it's, there's a lot of complications and layers to this movie, but the core of the movie had this, like, this, this very interesting and I think actually profound thing about romance and time and all that kind of thing. And, um, I would, I would argue that Cobra has a, not, not the same exact thing, but has a similar thing where it's like. There are these le- these things going on with Cobra where it's a very broad, silent drama, and it's got those layers of silent comedy, just like the Eagle. It's less genre-y than the Eagle, right? It's more it like far less right, gray, yeah. But I absolutely loved this core idea in Cobra, which was that this guy um, has this 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 you know compulsion. To, to just chase women, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that 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 compulsive behavior that he's trying to overcome, um, I love the way that the film, you know, twisted that around on him several times over, where he he has that compulsion, then he meets the girl that he's ready to give it up for, but then his best friend you know, marries this woman that uh, tempts him and he kind of gives in, but then at the last minute doesn't. And it and it's like he's the exact candidate to have done something wrong and he's exonerated, but then he loses the girl to his best friend. And I just thought that the, all of those twisting ironies, that core of this compulsion um, being being just something and and... The fact that it's tied into his bloodline with that flashback, I thought was amazing. That that I thought was seriously amazing. Where they have, you know, uh, what I'm talking about. No, okay. So the biggest thing I'm thinking back now, uh, in hindsight, that I did like was that the movie was like cut and dry about friendship. Like even this womanizing thing, this compulsion, thing, is what uh, is what instigates. The friendship to start with, isn't it? Like the, yes. the guy turns yes. uh, being his best friend by way of come to America with me. Uh, well, I'll help you out. I'll get your mind off of stuff, and uh, we'll hang out. It'll be fun. 
But what I'm... Uh, but wait, 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 hold on. Are you okay, yeah, the flashback. Uh -oh. What is the flashback? You don't remember the flashback? Yes, what's this flashback you're talking about? He's like... It runs all the way back in my family, and they have... Like, they're in Italy. And it's like, then it's like this... It might even be the same house, where it's like this Italian duke, also played by Valentino, um, has a woman that he's with, and... Um, a man knocks on the door looking for, you know, and he hides the woman and a man knocks on the door oh, looking for the wife yeah. he, and he finds the girl yeah. and it's not the wife, but then the wife <laughs> is somewhere else and she sees, you know, somewhere hidden elsewhere and she sees him with yeah. the other girl and it's just great. And, and, but the thing is like, I love, it a good gag. but, but it's not just a gag. It's like an interesting narrative idea no. of like the, oh. the movie. Well, what's it saying beyond the gag? Well, what I'm saying is is that the narrative is interesting to me just in terms of a narrative trick of going back hundreds of years in a story to kind of like have this little fun short film almost that informs no. the rest of the story. You know what I mean? And I like the idea of connecting it, so. you know, hundreds of years back in his family because right. – so well, because think about it this way. Think about – it think of it as a movie if it were a little bit more supernatural and it were like this family curse or something. And they okay. they present to you the family curse in the form of a kind of funny short film. You know? And I think that just the okay. just the, the various little things going on there, that's a really good layering of stuff to me. And but that's the thing is that funny yeah. short film connects to the tragedy at the end of the movie of this guy who has to give up the love of his life and his best friend. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a bit of a stretch to say they connect, but I, I see what you're saying. It it does more connect uh, the idea of here's this womanizer guy. The womanizing's been running my family for years. This is actually the, what Wait, he tells, whoa, uh, whoa, his, whoa, uh, whoa. going on good friend, right? Whoa, whoa, uh -oh. whoa, whoa. Yes, uh -oh. that's true. Wait, uh -oh. why are you saying it doesn't connect? It's his, it's his affliction that goes back yeah. in his family. Well, it's a stretch for me because I don't. I still, you explained it. I see it, but I still don't see it outright. Any which way, I think I'm spoiled by time. The whole jumping in time dream sequence thing is interesting to me, but it, it, it's. I don't know. It's, it's played. I've, I, have you seen the uh, the movie Three Ages, the Buster Keaton movie taking on. Uh, the D.W. Griffith movie, Intolerance? No. Wait, it's Taking it's like On Intolerance? Takes place. Yeah, it's called Three Ages, and it's like three, like, caveman times, olden times, and then late, lately times. And it's the three lives, like, intertwined, and it's, well, it's in black and white, and it's old-timey, and it kind of does this thing that you're saying, I think. No, that you were no, like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're no, misinterpreting no, what I, no, no, I, 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 I get what you're, I, I get what you're saying about the, the going back in time, or the, the, the time thing, but, but Intolerance, and it sounds like uh, Three Ages, the Buster Keaton movie, it sounds like what they're doing is they're, like, interweaving stuff. And yeah, but isn't that what you're saying? This movie is doing with the movie that it's in. No, because what I like about like this, what I like uh, about this, is if you uh, took out that flashback and played it comedy bit, yeah. short on its own, like a like a little two minute comedy uh -huh. short, I think it would work as a comedy short. Sure. A little Edison kinetoscope. Yeah, thingy. like it would. It would yeah, be okay. like. You know, yeah, like the, 
no argument. You could call it the hopeless romantic or something. You know what I'm saying? Like it works as a little narrative onto itself. And what I like, it's like an episode of, of uh, I want to call it Ren and Stimpy, but it's like an episode of Itchy and Scratchy in this movie. That's what I'm saying. Like but a... it connects to the narrative. It's a na- it's its own narrative, and it connects to this other narrative. And I really like that. I like I right. I like that kind of storytelling. It's kind of similar to what you know, like it's it's almost like a Tarantino thing of like you know you 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 have a story, but it connects to this other story. And it's but if you separate it out, it still work as its own thing. And that kind of that kind of stuff yeah. is is very interesting to me because you kind of have your cake and eat it too in that sense, where it's like you get more story that way. You get more completed. I've story. never liked that expression. Well, you know, I can't please. Listen, Abraham Lincoln. You can please some <laughs> of the people, some of the time, and you can please all yeah. of the people all of the time. But you cannot please all of the people some of the time. That's never going to happen. All right. Now, the womanizing aspect of Valentino and Cobra is that what? Like, I think people have mentioned like. They've used the word Valentino as a verb for, like, womanizing. Is that wrong? Am I wrong on that? Because I feel like it's been years since anyone's used that term. But has that been I a term? I think so, when they call somebody a Valentino. Yeah, I think that's a thing. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, would you think that was sourced around uh, Cobra? Or, uh, I guess, where does Cobra sit in all of, like, the like you know, the his span of movies? Because I'm pretty sure he's prolific. I haven't looked too much into Valentino, but I'm almost certain well, he he's died prolific. Young. You know about this. No. Yeah, I think he died. No, what's the I story think he there? Died. Yeah, he died like a year after those films came out. Really? Yeah. He didn't even die after sound cinema, is that what Yeah, you're he saying? didn't make it to the sound era. Holy Here's moly. Here's his full name. Rudolfo Pietro Filberto Raffaello Guglielmi di Valentina da Dentonguela. There you go. That's yeah. So the the thing, uh, yes, he was a major. He was a major sex symbol. Yeah, the Latin lover type. Yeah. And and yeah. so, um, but but it's very old world, isn't it? Isn't it like sort of this 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 pre modern kind of idea of these things? Um, yeah, it's so pre modern. There isn't even a soundtrack to the movie. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. Good. Gosh, Timo. I No, then in that case, what do you mean by pre-modern? I'm talking about like um I'm talking about uh a time before the enlightenment, let's say. Like, you know, well, now there is the old-timey enlightenment, right? Well, that's that's like old-timey. Now, in cinema, there's a number of enlightenments. Like there's a pre Wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just to- slow down for one second. And there's a movies after the code that are great. Like after everyone's acclimated to the code and there could still I'm be talking about I'm talking about I'm talking about I'm talking about the Enlightenment in the in the 1700s. The Enlightenment with you know very Oh, you mean the classic Well, the, the philosophical okay. when we All say right. the Enlightenment, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Enlightenment. I wonder. I and it was basically the beginning of sort of, you know, uh, liberal values, right? It's like this, these, and I think that, that that liberal values are basically the idea that like, you know, society, right, can can kind of like foster, um, 
foster uh, harmony amongst people with by giving them rights. Whereas pre-enlightenment, it's kind of like a thing of like everything's like sort of honor codes, like Christianity or or you know everything's about these codes. I would say, and and I feel like Valentino is uh, he he sort of he gives off a vibe of like. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do what's right out of some, you know, ideological thing. He does what's right out of out of a code of honor. You know what I mean? Uh, go on. Like um uh so so when he when he sacrifices that uh for his friend and uh and the woman he loves you know when he makes that sacrifice or when he decides to become like a robin hood type figure these aren't things that are done because he's particularly um you know savvy or he represents some sort of you know he like he's not fighting for um you know to 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 undo a system he's just living by a code of honor you know what i'm saying there do you understand that like like and that's a very Stallone thing, like Stallone too. When he he's 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 this character who it's like you know uh, in in First Blood, the first Rambo movie, right? He's he's doesn't have an ideological dog in the fight of Vietnam. It's just a code of honor. It's just what is right and wrong for that man. And so that's the yeah. pre-modern thing. It's just like it, to me, it's more about. This this personal code of honor that you are upholding, and uh, you know what you think is right and wrong. Oh yeah, that what? That's bloody interesting because I think that's what I picked off uh, picked out of movies growing up. Absolutely, I mean, just growing up with some films. One of the things that uh, I latched onto is uh, what I what I I guess I could refer to it, but it's not not particularly. But I refer to it as uh, the Disney way of things, where I have an idea in my head of like, okay, there's a monogamous relationship. And there's uh, happy endings, and there's like all these little notions that I picked up from growing up with not necessarily just Disney movies, but just these, this, mm, I don't know, this way of being that I lifted from movies. That have, I don't know if it stopped happening and people just got distracted with that sort of like uh, displaying that, or, or people became too jaded or something, but I think that's what you're talking about. That this sort of, that, yeah, this, that sort of uh, way of. Um, of, I, I guess you could say populist way. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's it's very complicated. I'm not suggesting this is a very cut and dried kind of thing, yeah. but like, very. Yeah. Very but if you, I mean, if you if you look at like modern movies, right? Modern movies often take place in this very kind of contextualized idea about like right and wrong. Um, that like, um, like for instance, a movie like The Godfather, right? The Godfather. The characters are actually quite pre-modern. Everything's a, a as sort of code of code of honor, code of ethics that that's internal, right? That has to do with their tribe. And the movie though watches them from outside. Valentino has yeah. this code of honor, and the movie basically just goes along with it. The movies the movies aren't aren't watching him sociologically. The movies are on his side. The movies are sympathizing and empathizing with yeah. him. Um, and like, yeah. you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, you know, it's, 
simple, but it doesn't remove its deepness. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, well, it's just, I mean, I think what's interesting about it is like the filmmakers aren't trying to make some sort of statement about him being pre-modern. They, I don't think that's in the filmmaking. I just think it's very naturalistic because yeah. pre-modern stuff, like that kind of stuff, like Stallone, there's not a kind of calculated thing going on there. These are not, you, these right. are not right. works of, of, um, of fiction that have been sort of um, thought through in necessarily that way. Um, and right. It's very broad. Yeah. Stroke. It's just like, well, we have to have a dashing hero and, uh, and, yeah. and in, in, um, in Cobra, he's given a flaw, right. And he overcomes his flaw, but he has to pay the price for it. And he loses his friend and his girl, you know, it's like the, it's like yeah. this very yeah. very raw, and that's the thing. That's what I responded to about the Eagles. That it's very raw. It's kind of just like, you know, the the, the these are not these are not movies that like, um, that appeal to the the chin stroking intellectual in me. It really is right. more just like, oh man, I like this guy. He saved the girl. He's got a nice little smile that he yeah. gives to make sure she likes him. And you know, like it's yeah. just kind of like very unjaded, very uncomplicated in that. Yeah, sense. and then and then the, the 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 complications are always very direct ironies. Oh, he's he's after this villain and the right. the girl's you know, his the villain's daughter, right? Um, it's the very, or the dad, the villain and, uh, and the Eagle gets his comeuppance and he has it coming, but you know, not yet, but they're always going to get it coming and he's nervous, but oh, nothing's happening. And he's still like, you know, puffs up and all this other stuff. He gets drunk. That I like, I really love to, are we in spoilers yet? I mean, I know we're 30 minutes in, but I have to ask, are we in spoilers yet? Spoil the heck out of it. So that scene in the Eagle, when when he's like, okay, you're going to guard the guy he's going to get. You know the, the the father figure. He's gonna he's gonna guard him because he told the girl, "I'm not gonna. He's not gonna be harmed as long as I'm standing guard here." So then you know, fade out, fade back in, and she walks in on 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 Valentino's character, basically choking the shit out of fucking the father. But then it turns out, and I and I had a feeling like he's not gonna violate his word because this is like his word is. You know, it's almost like I already accepted that this guy's honorable. He's not going to betray me. Like, I even put away my jadedness for by this point. And then it turns out to be a joke. You know, oh, no, don't worry, honey. He's just like, you know, he's rubbing my neck. I asked him to really give me a massage. Funny jo- that that then, joke is actually legitimately great. I laughed out loud. I did not expect to laugh it, out loud in a movie like such, this. But this is, it was such a it's moment. such a great, super dumb gag of like, yeah, just give it a, give me a neck massage. Like, it, none of it makes sense. Like, it's just like, it's like, it's like they just papered over him strangling him with like, <laughs> neck massage. Yeah, it's a neck massage. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Kind of like that that pepper uh, yeah. gag, you know, with the because uh, like the movie is basically serious. It has a level of seriousness, but then they'll throw in these little gags just for the kids. Well, well, no, no, no. And hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me Uh-oh. bring in something Uh-oh. here, which is that is All that right. the, the I think I've mentioned this before is this idea of um, movies for people who don't have a lot of money, right? That that. Okay, no. Uh, as if we never broached the subject. Tell me all about. Well, this. Th- there's this idea 
that if you, um, you know, uh, if you're talking about films, Chinese films, maybe Hong Kong films, where it's like the films are for people who don't have any money, you know, and they don't have enough money. What era of uh, Hong Kong films are we talking about here? The eighties? Oh, we could go. Yeah, I mean, you can go eighties, you can go nineties. Um, okay. So you can you can go to these eras where you know. There's, I mean, there's still a lot of very poor people in China, but nevertheless, what what I'm talking about is, I mean, it's also, I think it's still alive in in American cinema today, even in a weird way with like maybe Michael Bay, which is they make movies that like acceptable. No, cinema? well, what it is, it's like when you go to see a movie and it's got it's got a clunky mix of everything. So you see some of these these Hong Kong uh, these kung fu movies, and they have your action, they have your romance, they have your comedy, they have okay. various other genres because people don't have a lot of money, can't go see movies all the time, and this enables them when they do see a movie to get a little bit of everything. So people who are going to see a Rudolph Valentino movie, right? Yes, it's a cheap form of entertainment, okay. but they're like, well, we got to give the fans everything for that time that they're going to go see this movie. You know what I mean? And that's that's yeah. something that I think is a hallmark of more populist kind of filmmaking is this these these moments of comedy that are added in to make sure that the audience got everything that they could get, get a, got a full breadth of the human experience. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. that's that's something that I associate with a lot of um, certain certain kinds of kung fu films. Um, yeah, okay. and I. Yeah, there's a genre of movies. I don't know if it's a genre necessarily, but I, I, I'll, I'll, I lump all these movies, these particular movies, into a, 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 a sort of genre. And I, I didn't have a name for it necessarily. I just knew they were dumb. So I, I, you could call them dumb movies. You know, I don't have to think. I could turn off my brain. They're love stories typically, but they can be comedies. They could be action. They're basically simple movies. You know, they're just they got a, a begin, a middle, and end, and I'm going to have a good time in the middle. Uh, someone... I addressed the subject to someone, and they were like, oh, they're lowest common denominator movies. You think I'm a lower common denominator? And I was like, no, that's not what I mean, but yeah, no. And then it just it, it stuck with me that, oh, I'll never bring up the subject to this person again. But also, like, well, yeah, what's wrong with lowest common denominator movies? Now, is this what we're talking about A little here? bit, yeah, that's definitely a, definitely a factor. I think the thing about that kind of stuff, too, is that it's like it's like this idea that, you know, I mean, there are films that all that 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 people say, "Oh, this is a masterpiece." You know, it's like an existential meditation on the nature of you know uh, emotion or something like that. You know, and uh, something like well, it's just like, uh, not to knock, them, but like Howard's End or something like. Hey, this, Howard's End is pretty good, but um, no, yeah, yeah, okay. but just just I mean, Merchant Ivory is a little bit more like this is sort of that. Merchant Ivory is more of like classy branding. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about films that legitimately are trying to be, you know, uh, like Satan Tango, the 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 Bellatar picture. Oh. That they're the films sure. that are kind of shooting. You know, they're they're trying to shoot the moon, and um, you know, just because they're trying to shoot the moon, just because they have very sort of highfalutin kind of um uh aspirations yeah doesn't mean that you know like 
it's sort of, you take everything on its own terms. So a film that's a lowest common denominator film that is, that totally knocks that out of the park is better to me than a film that has very high aspirations that only kind of gets there. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it really doesn't have to do with the, the motivations of the film. It has to do with the, the, um, the execution. Like if it has a good head well, on its it shoulders just, and if it has legs. Yeah, how, how much did it succeed in what it was trying to do? I mean, I think – and that's an Ebert thing, yeah. I would say. Ebert is, was always talking about it. It's like it has yeah. to do with, with what was this movie trying to do? You know what I mean? Like like uh, Superman right. isn't trying to do the same thing as The Sacrifice. So you know, to the degree that, that either one is successful, that's what I'm going to judge it by. I'm not going to judge it – you know, I'm not going to judge the sacrifice by Superman terms, and I'm not going to judge. And that's oftentimes what people do. I feel like when they're talking about movies, they apply a standard that has to do with what you know they think a movie should be. Yes, or what they think the movie is selling itself as. Even there's that too. I mean, I do get frustrated where you know people sort of buy into uh, what a movie is supposed to be, and I'm like, just because it's yeah. supposed to be this you know, high quality movie doesn't mean you have to accept that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's something that does definitely bothers right. me. Well, that's why I miss Roger Ebert. The way he spoke about movies, I mean, they could be hoity-toity or they could be lower class trash. He'll judge it by how he feels about it and how he felt about it was typically how other people, he presumed, would talk, would feel about it. And so, therefore, his success. And uh, in my eyes, yeah, he, he's, he's got a way of talking about movies that Pauline Kael didn't really hit the mark for me, that, that, that Roger Ebert Why did totally you call could, her you know? Pauline? Because I've read her name. It's, it's, it's Pauline, isn't it? It's P-A-U-L-I-N-E. You've never heard the name Pauline. Pauline. Sure. Pauline, yeah, that's uh, E-N-E at the end. Pauline. No, this is, I'm not talking about Pauline Kael. Are you familiar with Pauline Kael? She's, uh, she lost it in the movies. <laughs> Pauline Kale. Her name is Pauline. No, what's funny too is that like my heroes would like like say uh, my heroes, um, uh, Harmony Corrin in particular likes Harm, uh, Pauline Kale in a way that I like Roger Ebert, and I think he's knocked Roger Ebert in a way I would knock Pauline Kale. So even like I don't know, you you kind of learn what you like, but uh, I really miss Roger well, Ebert. I wonder what he would have to say about Valentino. Would you know? Uh, I don't, actually, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But but Pauline Kale. Um, I don't read Pauline Kael as much as I read, I read Roger Ebert. I have, I have a couple, I think I might have a, a Pauline Kael book, not, you know, I think I might have left it all the way back in Jersey. I should probably bring, bring it with me. But if you, if you. She seems stuffy, what? man. You know, a little stuffy. No, stuffy-y. no, she seems no. Then stuff- you don't get her. No? Then you're not, you haven't read enough. You got to read. Get her. I read the introduction to that. I lost it at the movies and I was like, this is a little stuffy. I'm, I'm Pauline Kale. I put it away. I just- oftentimes I remember I, I, you know, I'd read Pauline Kale and then I would, um, I'd be thinking about a movie and I'd think about like how I would describe that movie and I would describe it in a way that really fitted, I thought in my own head. And then I realized I got it from Pauline Kale because she was that good at, at figure. And by the oh. way, yeah, no, By the you, way, yeah. okay. uh, 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 Tarantino is a Pauline Kael obsessive. Um, Wes Anderson, a lot of Wes Anderson are. actually yeah. had her watch Rushmore, which is far better than Life Aquatic. Um, he actually had her watch Rushmore. In your opinion? No, no, I no, mean, no. Objectively, objectively. So I feel like you said that just to like get my goat. You're not going to get um, my goat. So, so um, uh, Pauline Kael, you know, 
is a, is a very influential. But you have to kind of read her talking about De Palma. Probably she's great. She she's big De Palma booster. Okay. That was like one of her big things. Um, is that she thought De, De Palma okay. was really great. So, but anyway, um, uh, yeah. uh, no, I I don't I don't know what what Ebert thought about um about Valentino, but like this idea of Valentino being you know a populist uh, sort of uh, figure. Let me say that that Cobra, I think there's a, an emotional complexity that that film reaches in terms of this man's um, this man feeling cursed by his own desires. I think there's something really powerful there that the film, you know, the film was relating it to us on simple terms, but the concept is 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 complex enough and rich enough that that the simple rendering of it really took me to a very interesting place with that. I, I just, I found his, his plate, uh, kind of profound, this idea that he had, he had gotten over it. He had figured out a way to, to, to write himself. And then he was twisted up with these ironies. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Oh, and by the way, yeah. a super, a nope. super, um, uh, effective way of showing it is the titular, uh, image of that cobra, that figure of the cobra morphing into the girl. I thought that was great. That was that was the image that I was really like. This is some. This is dope. You know what I mean? That was unexpected. That was pretty cool. Like I didn't expect it, a cool shot like that to happen. There's a number of cool shots, and I also struck by at the start of uh, the eagle how flat the surface, like how flat the scene. Oh, it seems so. It's as a viewer. But how much, like, space there is. Like, there's so much room. These sets must have been expensive as hell, expansive as hell. And they don't pop to me always. Like, sometimes they'll pop to me, but sometimes they won't. And it's almost like, uh, well, I just got done watching the new Bill and Ted movie. The CGI there, it makes a really expansive room, you know, but it seems flat. It's that CGI thing. That, but in, like, the, the Valentino thing is strange because I know in the Valentino thing, they didn't have no CGI. This is an actual set, and it's ginormous. The people are tiny. It's a very interesting. Uh, it made thing. me think of um, of uh, uh, Gary Shandling and Jerry Seinfeld talking about um, uh, Larry Sanders versus Seinfeld, the shows, and that's bloody interesting. What? Tell and, me more. Uh, um, Seinfeld mentions that. You mean uh, it's Landy, Larry Sanders' show, not the. Uh... The one where he ta- where he addresses the audience. No, Larry Sanders. That's it's Gary Shandling's show. That's what you're thinking of. I'm talking about. Ow. I'm talking about Larry Sanders. Okay. Um, because remember that that the Larry Sanders show was the blueprint for Ricky Gervais's The Office, and that ended up being the blueprint for like an entire wave of television. Right? Like that was that. Yeah. Well, Gary Shandling. He I mean, he, yeah. he really is sort of the the genius behind like probably 20 years of the way television was shot. You're talking about, you're talking sure. about, you know, modern family, parks and recreation. Like just, you know, he, he was a blueprint for a certain aesthetic and he did it better than anybody in my opinion. Um, yeah. Uh, it's hard pressed to top him. He was, I mean, he's one of the great, but, but so, too. so was Jerry Seinfeld in terms of sitcoms. So the, the you got these, Wait, so what are they saying about so, that? so uh, Seinfeld was talking about how his show was more uh, presentational. It was more of like, this is an artifice 
that you know is an artifice. Whereas Larry Sanders was like, you're a fly on the wall watching this. And I think that that's the thing about Valentino that I like. And I always am, I'm always very intrigued by that. When you're watching a, a movie that is so artificial and it can convert, it can convey to you an emotion that you like, you can actually, actually kind of latch onto an emotion. I'm so impressed by that when artifice can, can yeah. something. So like, and that's the thing about, about Cobra. It's everything's clearly on a set. It's, you know, you can just, you can see when they yelled, cut that you're in one of those movies depicting the silent era or something so um i i really appreciated that element of obvious hollywood fakery and and that goes along with the eagle too where it's like yeah they're probably you know uh in the valley shooting this uh, uh you know these these horses racing around and uh that's that's kind of like part of the fun Right. It's just like people yeah. are playing. They call it a play for a reason. Right. And uh, and I've never heard that. Again. You've never. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's all kind of part of the part of the the, the, the visual intrigue. By And it's just one of those things like the, I think the reason I, I we're, we're talking about these movies is that it's like. You know, I did. I did find them entertaining. I did find them engaging, and it's kind of thing where yeah. it's like so oftentimes with film and picking the films we want to watch, <clears throat> we're often caught up with, you know, movies that have to be a certain, you know, level of uh, maybe prestige or a certain kind of aesthetic value, you know, whatever. But I like watching a silent film that was just for the common people of that time um, and seeing how a story, these kind of stories can just relate to you on a very simple human level. You know what I mean? Yeah, rarely do I see a, a, a silent narrative picture. It's typically, uh, or even old, an olden picture, you know, there's typically comedies, but uh, in silent in particular, it's usually Buster Keaton I'm watching. And I, I, I can't even sit down and watch Charlie Chaplin. His whole, uh, his whole shtick about, like, emotion and all this other stuff, it's, it feels like Pixar. It's so manipulative, I, I can't stand it. I, I don't know why that is. Hopefully I'll get over it, because... I mean, as much as Charlie Chaplin may not be on my on my like good side, he's he's kind of like a legend for good reason as well. But uh, Buster Keaton has a way of transcending all of all of the uh, political and emotional bullshit that Charlie Chaplin, I think, uses to sell his movies a little more, which he uses to good effect, you know. But Buster Keaton, to me, is no as no match. And this movie tapped into me the way um, a Buster Keaton movie just can't because it doesn't have the narrative thing going for it the way this guy Valentino seems to. Um, I have to admit, in, in hindsight, I enjoyed uh, Cobra much more than I thought I did, but I, I think I still hold The Eagle as a better movie in this double feature. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I think that, you know, given your little your little Chaplin monologue, we could do a separate podcast called uh, Timo's Dumb Opinions where you just give all of these really stupid opinions that are totally not well thought out and that reflect, you know, little regard for the actual artistry of, of say, a, a Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, I mean, if you're into it. <laughs> Charlie, have you seen City Lights? I have. My my favorite is the one where he gets caught in the gears. Modern Times? Uh, That's not even well, my favorite. City Rush. I 
really like the gold City rush. Lights is a is a is a is a gosh darn masterpiece, and I think it might be better than. I no, think I'm the sure, uh, yeah. it might be better. I mean, Keaton. Uh, I would say my favorite Keaton is probably Sherlock Junior. Um, That's a great but, one. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know about this. No, and, I, and it's totally unfair of me to knock. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even trying to knock Charlie Chaplin. I'm just stating the idea that I can't sit down and watch Charlie Chaplin because I know he's gonna like make me sad or he's gonna make me all this other stuff. And I don't know. It's like it's since it's silent, I won't allow it or something stupid. I, I don't know what it is, but I know Buster Keaton is on a level that no one has reached as yet. Until here, here along comes um, Rudy Valentino with his naivete and uh, bravery and. Uh, Comedy, evidently, and it and it's amazing. He's 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 up there with uh with uh with Buster Keaton and we're gonna do now. we're gonna do Timo's but, um, dumb opinions. I think it would be great. I think it'd be a big hit. You know what I mean? You could just say hey, you could just say things, to. and people be like, "Wow, that is a really dumb opinion." You know what I mean? Well, we can't have people are around. It has to be you, like Staten. Now, uh, now there's the dumb. Like we'll we'll have a chalkboard and just like they'll just tally we should have them a up, team of scientists. You know? Studying you. <laughs> I doubt they'll reach all the, any, like, all the clipboards, you know, conclusions that'll help. The, uh, they all have lab coats. They all have yeah, lab well, coats and and clipboards. Um, yeah. Social distance at six feet apart. No, we're not doing any of that mumbo jumbo. All right. Well, this was well, lovely and fun. Uh, thank you for joining us, and um, please join us uh, next time. Any last words, Timo? Uh, yeah, everyone, uh, okay. aloha. Bye-bye.